This morning, if we haven't met, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, really excited you're here. And uh, even if you haven't been with us at all during this series, but you're just jumping in now, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to, to wrap this up. We are going to, I think, circle back and go through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount at some point, but we're going to take a break here uh, next month. And so this morning, what that means is we're kind of coming to the end of, end of a journey that we've been in for the last two, three months, um, journeying through the Beatitudes. And... Um, if you haven't been there, I, I want to give you a chance to, to hear these for yourself if you're just kind of jumping into the conversation. Jesus stands up on this mountain. There's huge crowds that have started to follow him. And he basically is going to take the opportunity now with this kind of mishmash of humanity, all different kinds of people present, uh, to pronounce to them what God is doing uh, in the world. And it's pretty amazing. This is, this is what he says, <clears throat> beginning in verse 3 of Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Then our last beatitude, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he adds a little bit more. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we've been basically journeying through those statements by Jesus, verse by verse. And so if we were to continue that this morning, we would be looking at blessed are the persecuted. I'm talking all about persecution. And I really wrestled with this one and kind of went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I'll be honest, we're not going to really talk about persecution this morning. Um, and, and the reason is, to be honest, I don't think we know the first thing about persecution. I, I know I don't. I think I could teach you more about clogging than I could persecution. Um, you know, and, and I, if you're like me, when you even hear the word persecution, I think maybe for a lot of us where our mind goes, it's like, oh yeah, I've heard about that. You know, I, I've, I read about it in, in a book, or I hear, see it on the news every now and then. Um, there's this blog or this email that I get every now and then with stories of persecution, right? So this beatitude must be speaking to them. And, and truth is, um, I just don't, I don't think we can, we can really talk about persecution as, as if it's something that we really experience. If anything, I think the American church has a little bit of a persecution complex uh, where we think we're being persecuted. Um, most of the time, uh, it's just I think what we're really mourning is the moving of the church and the center of society out to the cultural margins. So we feel entitled to that. Anyway, I could rant on that, but I'm not going to. Um, So, you know, the risk would be that we would talk about persecution in kind of like this distant observer kind of way. You know, and and I could, we could share story after story of like very inspiring stories of Christians who were persecuted, you know, and and claimed the name of Jesus boldly all the way to their death. And then I feel like, I just fear we would walk out of here completely unchanged, hearing a message that's mostly irrelevant to every one of our lives. So we're not going to do that. Um, Maybe someday we'll bring somebody in who can actually teach you about persecution. I just can't be that guy. Um, But I think there's another risk, and it's a risk that, especially as we wrap up the Beatitudes, that I want to lean into and talk about this morning. And that is that when we hear Jesus' words here, where he says, blessed are the persecuted, um, that we would imagine, oh, so Jesus must be talking about them, right? The courageous ones, the heroic ones, the bold ones, those with the backbone, right? Those who, in the face of, of death or suffering, threat, 
who stood for their faith, the spiritual giants. Right? And I fear that that's how we would read it. And my biggest fear is that that is essentially how many of us have been conditioned to read the Beatitudes and much of what Jesus said. And if that is what Jesus is saying, basically, blessed are these amazing spiritual heroes. Blessed are those that are so courageous and so heroic. What Jesus has given us in the Beatitudes uh, really is actually no blessing whatsoever. But instead, uh, what he's given us is this. In his statements in the Beatitudes, essentially, if that's what Jesus is saying, is he has given us a ladder in which to attain blessing. Right? So we read it like, okay, blessed are those who mourn. So we do this, and then we get that. Right? There are conditions, way to achieve our way into the kingdom of God. And we just work our way up the ladder. This is how the, how, what qualifies you. This is the behavior that results in the blessing. So this is essentially how we earn our way there. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is why we have to talk about this. If we do that, um, we have essentially shrunk the amazing proclamation, the incredibly good news, the exuberant announcement that is the Beatitudes, and we've shrunk it down just to another religious ladder, another list of things to do to earn the favor and warrant the blessing of God. And if we do that, we will have missed the whole point of the Beatitudes, the, the gospel of the Beatitudes, the message that Jesus is getting here. Right? If you remember, the Beatitudes start in a very strange way. Right? It starts, blessed are the poor in spirit. And what we tend to do, and this is, by the way, something that the church has done at times, pastors have done at times, even biblical interpreters have done at times, and that is we take that and we turn it into law. And law is something that comes pretty natural to us, especially those of us who have any religious bone in our bodies. Law we understand. Law we can wrap our minds around. Law, you know, it, it, it caters to our sensibilities. It aligns very neatly with our understanding and experience of justice and conditional love. We get law, right? And so we hear these words, all right, blessed are the poor in spirit, and sometimes the way that gets translated or taught about is blessed are those who know they need God, right? In fact, there's been a couple times where in the... In the process of translating the Bible, those who were translating it changed what Jesus actually said to try to make it this, to try to make it something that they understand. So the version, uh, New English Bible, the very first edition of the New English Bible read like this, this verse. How blessed are those who know that they are poor. Right? That is a flagrant mistranslation. Right? It wasn't an accident. It was done on purpose. Right? And I think the reason is, and then they actually they changed it when the second edition came out, but they did it because this they can understand. Jesus can't possibly be saying what it sounds like he's saying, and so they change it. Uh, another version is the, the Berkeley translation, and this is how it reads. It's even more, more explicit. Blessed are those who know that they are spiritual, or know their spiritual poverty. Blessed are those who know their spiritual poverty, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And again, it's just a flagrant mistranslation. It's done on purpose. And I think the reason is, is because the readers, the, the, the people who are translating it, want so badly to find in the condition of being poor in spirit something that makes sense to earn God's favor. Something. And so what ends up happening when it comes to poor in spirit, we actually talk about it as if there's something positive about being poor in spirit that leads to blessing, but it's not there. Right? And of course, we, we teach it this way as well, right? Um, and what ends up happening, when we look so hard for something that God might be requesting or requiring of us, that therefore, 
leads to blessing, what ends up happening is we, we change the message altogether. And what the Beatitudes come become and what poor in spirit becomes is just another rung on the ladder. Just another step. Right, if Jesus is saying this, right, blessed are those who know that they need God, right? Blessed are those who can say, why, yes, I do have the gift of humility, right? To the, which to the discerning people is like, there's something about that that doesn't seem quite right, right? But it's so tempting to do this, right? And so we come to the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. Hmm, blessed are those who know they need God. Do I know that? Am I aware? Am I fully in tune with my depravity? Am I truly humble? I think I'm getting there, right? And it's like, step closer. You know, blessed are those who, who mourn, Am I mourning right now? Have I lost something or someone special to me? I don't think so. What can I mourn? What can I mourn? Aha, my sin. I can always mourn my sin. Right? Blessed are the meek. Well, then i got to become meek, right? Because they're blessed. Right? Let's get together and talk about what it means to be meek. Let's have a meek rally. Right? Meek, meek, meek. Right? I've got meekness. Yes, I do. I've got meekness. How about you? Right? Got it. Check. Right? And we just do this. Right? Blessed are uh, the, you know, those who long and ache for the world to be made right. Check. All right. right. Blessed are the merciful. Okay. Check. Got it. Right? Some of you are getting really nervous. Right? <laughs> it's like, Aaron, you're not clever. I'm not hearing a word you're saying right now. Get down. It's not that clever. But I want to cement the image in your mind. Right? I, I want us to, to expose this whole thinking for what it is. This is religion. Every religion. The details are different. The name of the God or gods might be different, but it's a ladder. This is how you earn God's favor. This is how you get in God's good graces, right? And so the question for us as we look at the Beatitudes, the most important question is, is this what Jesus is doing in the Beatitudes, right? And I would submit to you, I would shout to you and plead with you to see that absolutely not. No, 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 no. In fact, if you do that, you miss the whole point, right? And so if you were here the first week, we pointed out that one of the things, that there's no commands in the Beatitudes. Jesus doesn't say, go be like this. There's no imperatives. Well, there's one imperative. Actually, we came to it today. The one imperative in all the Beatitudes is rejoice, right? But as far as all the other ones are concerned, there's, not, there's no command. He's not saying, go be poor in spirit, and therefore you'll be blessed, as if there's something about being poor in spirit that is inherently good, He's not saying that at all. He's, he, he's saying, in fact, something very, very different. He's not saying, this is how you earn your way into the kingdom of God. These are the kind of people that if you behave this way, then you are included. It's not what he's saying at all. Right? Jesus is, is saying something very, very different. Right? And so there is, one of the things that we talked about is, you know, there, he's, he's painting a picture of the kingdom of God and the kind of people who will be very surprised, some of them, to find themselves invited and a part of what God is doing in the world. You know, and as we are shaped by, by God's grace, and as we walk in grace, there are certain things that we've talked about that will become more true of us. And this is why there's value in talking about being a peacemaker. Right? And there's value about talking about what it means to be somebody who extends mercy as God has extended mercy to us. Right? But what Jesus is not saying right, is that these are conditions uh, for getting in. Right? Blessed are poor in spirit. There, there's nothing inherently good about it. There's nothing. It's not a positive. Right? It's, it's speaking to destitution. Right? It's speaking to depravity. Right? What he is saying is saying for those who are like this, well, guess what? I've got some really good news. Because the kingdom of God is available to you. Right? The Beatitudes are essentially putting color and flesh on Jesus' one message that he shared incessantly throughout his entire life. And that was about the presence and the availability of the kingdom of God. 
And in the Beatitudes, he's sharing it in a very radically inclusive way. And so he begins by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Right? For those who are like this, the spiritual zeros, the spiritually bankrupt, the deprived and deficient, the spiritual beggars, those without a wisp of religion, blessed are you. Not because you're poor in spirit, but because despite the fact that you are, the invitation is open. And God has invited you to be a part of this. And so this is how Jesus begins the Beatitudes. And when you listen to the Beatitudes this way, the cadence continues. The message continues. And so he he continues on. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the hurting. Blessed are the depressed. Blessed are those who have lost someone or something so special to them. Blessed are those who feel like maybe they've lost a sense of normalcy. Who feel like maybe they've lost... They've lost everything who are at the end of their rope. He says, blessed are you because you're invited too. Right? Blessed are the meek. Right? Blessed are the unassertive and the looked over. Right? People who don't, who don't know when to throw elbows. Right? The people who don't tend to stick up for themselves. People who don't get picked first. They're often on JV, sitting on the bench. Right? Blessed are those who, who often get taken advantage of and who live with this nagging sense that the world is getting carved up and dished out and you're missing your slice of the pie. Right, you're included. Right, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, who ache and long for the world to be made right. We talked about one of the things like when you walk with Jesus, right, this is an aching that it grows in us. But you know what? There's another kind of people who ache for the world to be made right, and that's the people who are constantly wronged. Right, those who are at the, end, uh, at the short end of the stick. Right, the people who are manipula- manipulated, recipients of injustice, the powerless and the wronged. Those who ache because they want to make the world right, but they can't. Right, they long for real justice, but justice seems in short supply to people like them. Right, do you hear what Jesus is doing? Right, Jesus is stepping into, again, remember the culture that Jesus is doing this. is There was religious exclusivity. Right, it was this. And the people who are up here were in. They were the people who were honored and valued, and you actually had to have a fair amount of money to just participate. And Jesus is stepping into that culture, and he's looking around in this crowd, many of the people who are marginalized and oppressed and looked over and have no value or status by other people in this world, and he's saying, you are in, you are in, you are in, you are in, or at least you can be in. Right? And so what I would submit to you, right, this thing needs to go away forever. Um, my hope and prayer is that you'll never, ever hear the Beatitudes or Jesus, and think of this, ever again. And what I would submit to you, sorry, I got some big props this morning, is that what Jesus comes to offer is not a ladder, but a door. Right? And in the Beatitudes, what Jesus is doing is he is swinging that door to the kingdom of God, to himself, to blessing. He is swinging that door wide open. Wide open, so wide open, right, that he had to, like, speak, jump in and correct some of the religious people and just said, say, just so you know, just remember, I didn't come here to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. Because to everybody else, they're thinking, he is totally bailing on everything we've ever known about God. And he's saying, no, 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 you just misunderstood a lot of things about God. And I'm here to clarify those things. And to me, God is swinging that door wide, wide open. I love the way Dallas Willard puts it. He says the Beatitudes serve to clarify Jesus' fundamental message, the free availability of God's rule and righteousness to all of humanity through reliance upon Jesus himself, the person now loose in the world among us. They do this simply by taking those who, at least from a human point of view, are regarded as most hopeless, most beyond all possibility of God's blessing or even interest, 
and exhibiting them as enjoying God's touch and abundant provision from the heavens. And then he says this, the religious system of his day left the multitudes out, but Jesus welcomed them all into his kingdom. Anyone could come as well as any other. They still can. That is the gospel of the Beatitudes. Right? And this should not shock us. I challenge you, right, whenever you read Jesus, listen for this. Listen for the echoes of hope. Right? Listen to his message, the door that he is swinging wide open. This is, this is the drum that he beats. Right? At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, if you remember, he, he, if you know it, he goes to Nazareth, his hometown, on Sabbath. He walks into the synagogue, right? and he wants to read uh, from the scriptures, and he does. And this is what he reads. Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he goes on to say, oh, by the way, yeah, this is me. This is about me. This is my work. This is my message. And they panic. And listen, listen, guys. Listen to the kinds of people that are included in this list. The poor, the captives, the blind, and the oppressed. It's the same kind of list we find in the Beatitudes in both accounts, both in Matthew and Luke's accounts. The same kind of people, kind of people that the world considers a lost cause. And Jesus is pointing out, this is what God is doing now. Nobody's a lost cause. That's at the beginning. The drum keeps being beat. Right? And then at the end, we find it again. Right? And John the Baptist is wondering about Jesus because it doesn't look like what he expected. And he asks, who are you? Are you the one that we thought? Are you the one that was to come? Or should we expect somebody else? And Jesus... He, he tells his students, John's students, to go back and just share what you've seen and heard about me, Jesus. And he says this, Go back and report to John what you hear and see, Jesus replied. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed, same word as in the Beatitudes, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Right, note again, this list of people hopeless cases and how God is going right to them and meeting them right in the midst of their need. And Jesus is saying, nope, the door is swinging wide, wide open. Right? He proclaims that God is doing something new. And it's not just anymore, as the religious system said it was. It's not just for the wealthy, the powerful, the religious elite, the good-looking, the go-getters, the accomplished, the influential, the popular. No, no, no. He's, he's saying in me, the door is swinging wide open. So the latter business, you can be done with that. Once and for all, that was never God's heart. That was never God's intent, right? And if you go and approach it like this is how I earn God's favor, this is what it means to be a good religious person, this is how I am blessed or will be blessed, you're going to find yourself so beaten up and disillusioned because there's no life in that because it's not the business that Jesus is in. Jesus did not come to, to build a ladder. He came to offer a door. And he offered that door to everyone and anyone who would want to walk through it. Right, quoting from Dallas Willard one more time. So, blessed are the flunkouts, the dropouts, and the burnouts. Blessed are the broke and the broken, the drug heads and the divorced. Blessed are the HIV positive and the herpes ridden. Blessed are the brain damaged and the incurably ill. Blessed are the barren and the pregnant too many times or at the wrong time. Blessed are the overemployed, the underemployed, the unemployed, the unemployable. Blessed are the swindled, the shoved aside, and the replaced. 
Blessed are the parents with children living on the streets and the children with parents not dying in rest homes. The lonely, the incompetent, the stupid, blessed. The emotionally starved or emotionally dead, blessed. Even the moral disasters will be received by God as they come to rely on Jesus, count on him, and make him their companion in his kingdom. So blessed, too, are the murderers and the child molesters. Blessed are the brutal and the bigoted, the drug lords and the pornographers. Blessed are war criminals and sadists. Blessed are the terrorists, the perverted and the filthy and the filthy rich. To the the worshiper of Satan, to those who rob the aged and the weak, to the cheat and the liar, the bloodsucker and the vengeful, blessed, 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 as they fleet into the arms of the kingdom among us, who is Jesus. Yes! (laughs) That is Jesus' message. And that's what it should do to our hearts. Yes! This is not a freaking ladder. It never was. Jesus is swinging that door wide open. Jesus does not start with law. He starts with blessing in the Beatitudes. And by the way, so do the Ten Commandments. They don't even start with law. They start with blessing. I, I brought you out of Egypt. Favor, unmerited favor. Grace on tap. Blessed, blessed, blessed. It should always start with blessing. Right? And so when you feel that, that guilt that can be so paralyzing, I guess, I guess I'm supposed to change the world, but I'm not doing as much as I should. Blessing. Right? You find yourself just paralyzed by shame and beaten down because you were supposed to be better than that and you stumbled again. Blessing. Right? When you find yourself saying that thing that you, you promised you would never say again, and then things got heated and you got out of control and you can't believe you did it and said it. Shh. Blessing. Right? When you fail and everything in you is telling you, I should be better than this, I should be further along than this. Blessing. Jesus does not start with law. He starts with blessing. And so his church, too, should be a place that is characterized first and foremost by blessing. Right? Oh, I should be, should be reading my Bible more. Yeah, probably blessing. I should be serving the poor more than I am. Yeah, probably, but blessing. I should be giving more of myself. I should be, should, 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 should. Should is a cruel word. And we're very good at shitting all over ourselves. Right? And Jesus' word to us, regardless of what we should or should not do, is blessed are the should-bes and the not good enoughs. Right? Blessing before anything else. Right? And so as we wrap up this series, uh, I want to make sure we get this. And that this is our rallying point as the community of the sinning saints, right? Because this is, this is hard. It's really good news, but in the reality of the church, it is messy, right? Oftentimes when people ask me how things are going at Mosaic, I, one of my favorite ways to describe it is it's a beautiful mess, you know, because we're a part of it, and that's what makes it messy. But so is Jesus, and that's what makes it beautiful, right? And a healthy church should be both. Right? If we're all put together and smiling and dressed up and we don't share anything real, man, we're in trouble because that's not the church. Right? And so we've got to rally back. We've got to rally back and remember what this is all about. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to end by taking communion together as we worship. Right? And, and communion is it's just so appropriate. Right? If Jesus' message was to swing the door of the kingdom wide open, Right, communion is one of the ways that we walk through it. 
right? And in a room this size, I'm going to venture to guess, there's, you know, a number of people in the room, just as there are in any given week, who would say, I'm, you never really have walked through that door. And maybe what you've heard from the religious community and from churches is a very different message. And it's definitely not blessing. It's definitely not that God is crazy about you, so crazy that he marched to the cross, but one of cursing and expectations that you can't live up to and really condemnation, which, by the way, was not the message of Jesus. His was a message of grace and blessing first. Right? And so if that's you, I want to invite you to be a part of this. And you don't have to call Mosaic home. Um, you may be at a point where you're like, yeah, but I've still got questions about this, or doubts about this. And just so you know, that's okay. That doesn't disqualify you. Right? Jesus has swung that door wide open. Right? And in, in communion, what we do is we remember what he has done for us, which has taken all of our guilt, our shame, our sin onto himself to give us a chance to walk through that door and to be a part of the communion of the sinning saints that is the church. Right? And so I just want, to know, want you to know we don't play goalie at the communion table. We don't play defense. Uh, there's always an extra seat at the table of grace. And if you don't walk through that door and say, Jesus, I'm yours. I want your grace. Just know you can do that now. And for some of us who maybe walked through that door a very long time ago, and you've been walking with Jesus maybe on and off, maybe faithfully for many years, can I just make a request of you? Would you stop shutting that thing? Stop shutting it for other people who maybe have different sin issues than you do? or maybe who aren't in the same place and convictions and beliefs that you are, will you please take up Jesus' business of opening that thing to others and to yourself? Because it's blessing first. Blessing first. All right, let me pray for us. Lord God, I just want to confess on behalf of those in this room who would agree that it's just so easy at times to get into the ladder business and to start climbing and thinking that somehow we're more deserving of your love if we get this right and this right and this right. And we stop doing that. We start doing this. And Lord God, I thank you for just the, the message that courses through the Gospels, the one that Jesus proclaimed, which was not about earning anything. It's about grace, unmerited favor, blessing. And so, Lord God, this morning, as we wrap up our time in the Beatitudes, Lord, we rally back to that place, to grace, right? And acknowledging before you and remembering that grace is a gift, an incredible gift that I have not even started to wrap my mind around in the least bit, just scratching the surface. But grace nonetheless. And so, Lord God, I ask that you would press us deeper into the mystery that is your grace, the wonder that we should feel that you would love us, that we would get to be a part of this, that with all my hang-ups and my sin and the skeletons in my closet, that you are relentless in your love of us, of me, Man, that should take our breath away. Lord, may it be so. Lord, we come before you now as your church, as your community of sinning saints. And we pray these things in your name and all God's people said, amen.